0: It is always a miracle when something is um, slightly smaller than me. (laughs) God reminding me that in some some moments I am not the petite one. (laughs) This morning, um, as I shared with you in the beginning of our worship service, um, we are in what is um, kind of been a three-year sermon uh, series for the Southeast Raleigh Table during the month of February called Rest in Love. And I will never forget, um, I was having a conversation with our dear sister, uh, Reverend Donna Coltrane Battle, who um, just truly sometimes pastors me and speaks. Donna has a way of, like, speaking a one-liner that you're just like, are you Jesus' first cousin? Like, ha- who? <laughs> But we were talking about how sometimes churches get criticized for talking about love too much. And Donna said something. She said, but the love of God doesn't harm. The love of God never harms. So can we ever talk about love too much? So our Rest in Love sermon series that we have literally um, leaned into over the last three years during the month of February is a reminder that throughout the biblical narratives, we are compelled by a life force Through the creator of the heavens and earth, this love that pours out from God, that is the overflow of God, that is God, um, forms us, shapes us, compels us. It also unleashes us to understand how we might love ourselves and also love others that the world might feel redeemed and restored by by God's love. So it's no small thing um, this month when we talk about resting in love. We're not talking about a mamby-pamby-woo-woo feeling. God, who creates the heavens and the earth, is called love. We are here because of love. The trees of the field that clap their hands, love. The ways in which we understand our dreams and our capacity, love. All out of the overflow of love. The love of God doesn't harm. And so, um, this morning in particular, um, as Pastor Seyun comes to read Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12, you might be wondering now, how is this loving? You'll feel it in the first two lines of this passage of scripture. But I want us to hold on to the fact that the love of God looks like love couched in God's people who believe in the both and. So hear now these words from Isaiah chapter
1: 58. Hear the word of God. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet announce to my people their rebellion to the house of jacob their sins Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their god they ask of me righteous judgments they delight to draw near to god why do we fast but you do but you do not see why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked feast. Such a fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is it such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bull rush? And to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will we call this a fast a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose to to lose the bones of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your groom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt you shall rise up the foundations of many generations you shall be called the repairer of the bridge the restorer of streets to live in this is the word of god for the people of god and thanks be to god
0: Will you pray with me? Gracious God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us who are gathered in this place that we might hear with joy what it is you say to us this day. Shout out, O God, and do not hold back so that your people might be stirred by the power of your word to love, and to be just. This we pray in your strong name, amen. So, you know, I don't typically get into church battles. Um, I'm not out here in these streets, you know, trying to nuck and buck. Um, I'm five feet tall, and that is not my ministry, but I will say this. I do get slightly annoyed when people, um, with a kind of a sense of critique, Well, ask me this question. So is your church like biblically based or are you just about social movements? (laughs) The answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's very tempting to believe in this false illusion of the dichotomy of you're either biblically based and spiritually formed or you believe in social movements or social justice and somehow you've abandoned any desire to be spiritually formed. That's a false dichotomy, friends. That's a false dichotomy. So repeat after me, we don't do that over here. do that over here. The way we understand love here at the Southeast Raleigh table is always anchored in the both and, not in either or. We don't talk about this very much here at the Southeast Raleigh table, but we're actually anchored uh, in what is known as the Methodist tradition or the Wesleyan tradition that believes very much that the love of God is always tethered or is holding on to a love of neighbor. It's not an either-or. The two are always bound together. In fact, John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism, would oftentimes talk about this is the cross. Love of God, love of neighbor, my horizontal relationships, and the vertical relationship. That is how we live a cruciform or Christ-shaped life. We don't do either-or, which means that love of God, God who breathes into us the breath of life and makes us in God's image, calls us into practices of prayer and scripture reading, that we might understand our identity and our wholeness, holiness and wholeness in God, that we might obey God's commandments because in obeying God's commandments, there's a sense of boundaries that help us to not only love ourselves, but also to love others. That is why we rest. Rest is a commandment because if we do not rest, then we find ways to enslave ourselves and then we find ways to enslave others. So this is why, you know, We do believe in being spiritually formed, to be honest, to be people of integrity, who we don't hoard up all of our gifts, but instead we are those who live um, genuinely generous. We believe in being connected to practices that help us bump into the life-giving life of Jesus, the one who is fully human and fully divine, who reminds us of everything we can become that we got to see God's glory magnified in Jesus, so we might also see some things in our lives as glorious. And with that connection of love of God comes the love of neighbor, that if God is the bread of life in my life, I don't want anyone to go hungry. That if God is my peace, I don't want to live in a world that only knows how to manage us through war or weapons of violence. Love of God, love of neighbor. You can look this up, Google it. Um, This can be your homework. Another way that we understand this is um, this cross-section of personal piety. So the things that shape me um, in my interior life is also tied to social holiness. It affects how I show up in the world personal piety, and reading of scripture, and praying, and coming to Christ's table, I become just within myself. And then social holiness, then we are just in the world. Both and, not either or. Because the either or, we don't do that over here. Let me tell you why we don't do that over here. Isaiah chapter 58, um gives you everything you need to you need to use as gentle fuel if ever anyone offers pushback to you in regard to what does it look like to hold on to the both and to love god and also to love neighbor that when someone wants to critique the ways in which maybe you see yourself being just in the world you can say do you mind if i read for you isaiah chapter 58 Because Isaiah chapter 58 in its full context points out the danger of the dichotomy. It points out the danger of the dichotomy now um, here 's what I, I, I want you um, to know i 'm not saying that we need to walk around as um, members of the Southeast Raleigh table with a sense of like elitism. I recognize that there are certain church communities that feel safer for certain people, um, and this might not be the one um, for them in particular and I, I really do, and I really do believe that folks need to find homes that's, um, that resonate for them in regards to their spiritual spiritual spaces however um, Isaiah chapter 58 reads us in regard to not living with this false illusion of the dichotomy. Because in Isaiah chapter 58, um, Isaiah points out through the word of God that righteousness isn't simply yoked to spiritual practices, it's not only about spiritual practices. And um, the first two lines of Isaiah chapter 58 tell us just how important God wants God's people to understand this particular word. Because it says, shout out, do not hold back. Basically, Isaiah, say it from your chest. <laughs> Lift up your voice like a trumpet and announce to my people that their rebellion to the house Of Jacob, their sins. Now, when we think about sins, oh, is you know, God wanting Isaiah to talk about they're not reading scripture or that they're out here doing, you know, this, that, and the other ghosting folks on hint, you know, like what what does what does God want, you know, Isaiah to like really, really say? No, 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 no. That's not the place where God is leaning in, like, oh, you've not kept the law or you've not read the Torah. That's not it. Instead, Isaiah is to announce to the people how they have been rebellious and the ways in which they have left this vacuum between their spiritual practices and the ways in which they're actually concerned or unconcerned about their community. The shouting out and not holding back tell the people that they've been really incongruent. That something is not matching up in their lives. So they seek me, they come before me, they do all these spiritual practices, and yet. In fact, one of the first things that Isaiah says is, you're out here fasting, yet oppressing your workers. You're doing a lot of spiritual speak, but it's all for the sake of self. Now, does this mean that spiritual practices don't matter? Oh my gosh, that is not what I am saying. Once again, if you leave this place and you say, Pastor Lisa says, don't worry about spiritual practices. It's not Lisa, it's Lisa somebody else, not Lisa Deboa. No, spiritual practices matter deeply. If you cannot keep yourself attuned to the voice of God, if you cannot practice stillness, guess what? If you're out here in these streets trying to protest on behalf of other folks, you're not going to know when you're taking up too much space. Or when you need to just be still and lean into solitude, and maybe just practice a spiritual discipline of hush. <laughs> no spiritual spiritual practices actually help us to um, not to be managed or micromanaged in a way, but to recognize our uh, when we're operating as our whole selves and well selves, and when we're not. I have to pray. I need to read scripture. I need to commune around a table. I need to be in community with other people. I sometimes need to, you know, like abstain and um, set myself apart from certain things so that I might actually hear clearly the voice of God. But the thing is that if these spiritual practices or disciplines or ways of being where we're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, we love you. Oh, my gosh, we love you. But it does not produce fruit in the ways in which we show up in community. Ooh. And we're gonna all have places of incongruence, let me just say that. We're gonna all have seasons of incongruence. In Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah highlights the emptiness of these spiritual practices and other gestures toward God when they're in the absence of the connection to the very things that concern God. God is concerned about people being liberated. God is concerned about uh, uh, individuals having uh, bread to eat, of the oppressed going free. Of those who live from a place of lack because of systems, knowing what it is to serve a God of abundance. I want you to hear the kind of way in which Isaiah frames what the spiritual practices of God's people can look like. If you start in um, verse 6, by the way, this passage of scripture is going to show up again for us during the season of Lent, which is the season of preparation. Isaiah says, don't be out here fasting and then oppressing people or doing a lot of spiritual disciplines just so you can like quarrel and fight, weaponize your words. (laughs) But instead, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you; the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call. Notice in the beginning, it's like you do all this stuff. You know, it's like a clanging, like clanging cymbals. As 1 Corinthians 13 would say, you're doing all of this stuff. But no, if you also understand your love of God also being connected to the way in which you are just in the world. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and God will say, here I am. I don't want you to believe that okay, every time you pray Now, let me be out here doing something. That's not what this means. It's simply asking us to live a life that looks congruent. To say the things that are happening on the inside, there's an overflow that actually affects this world. If you trust that God's love being poured into our lives Keeps us open to hear the voice of God and the power of God through prayer, through reading of scripture, through communion, through community, through setting ourselves apart. I mean, some of you so beautifully took a social media fast at the beginning of this year, and you can say how that is shaping you, where comparison is not the thief of your joy. Or a spending fast because you recognize that maybe. There's just been too much, but it has not necessarily filled the emptiness. There's something really beautiful to keeping ourselves open to the love of God poured into our lives that we can actually look different. And it is mediated through us having such a deep love for our neighbors that today maybe we should just sit quietly and wonder how Tyree Nichols' mom is doing. She is our neighbor. That we should feel unsettled when our siblings are killed in a mass shooting in Colorado Springs. That sometimes we cannot go on with life and business as usual. And even if we woke up in a warm house this morning that we join our voices with the voices of other um, church and faith communities because we are not at peace until everyone in Wake County wakes up to a warm home. So do the people at the Southeast Raleigh table go to a biblically-based church? (laughs) Or to a church that's just about social justice. Yes. (laughs) Because our love for God and in God is a both and. It is not an either or. Because we're not doing that over here. Both and. in the name of the one who creates, redeems and sustains. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we believe that you are love. We believe that you meet us in loving ways through the ways in which you transform us. That when we seek you in the midst of Scripture, you speak words that give us life. That when we bump into you at Christ's table, you give us a sense of your grand imitation. when we practice being still, we are able to hear your voice above all of the voices that do not tell us accurately who we are. And, oh God, in all of these ways that you shape us, Through these practices, you shape us to show us and to show the world what it looks like to be just within ourselves, to practice justice within ourselves, to incline not only our ears, but our very lives to the life-giving love that you have invited us to unleash in the world. So God, may our love of you be wed to our love of neighbor. May our practices of piety be the means for social holiness. And may you, O oh God, be the ones who hold us, be the one who holds us in the both hands. That our love is not like a clanging cymbal, that we're not just out here making a whole lot of noise, but that our love might believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. For you are a God who has a love for us that will never fail. Pray this in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.